When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to an episode of Horror Movie Night. Now, unfortunately, there's going to be no Adam on this episode. He got called into work, but uh, though he didn't write an intro to this episode, uh, he did write his thoughts on this movie that we're about to discuss, and I think that I should start with these. This movie is the pinky that I let a girl put in my butt, but that's it. Only the pinky. (laughs) That's, That's as much as I'm okay with. So I'm only okay with about 15% of this movie, but it tried to shove its whole fist up my ass, and I'm not okay with that. Get fucked, Scott. (laughs) We're talking about Stung, as selected by Scott from uh, from 2015. Man, I I thought that he was on the right track with talking about butt stuff, but then took a left turn into fuck you, Scott, so I guess we're not friends anymore, Adam. (laughs) <laughs> we're broken up until next week <laughs> um so you picked this movie you've been talking about this movie forever uh yeah, you since once, 2015 <laughs> yeah, you once believed that this movie starred david uh, carradine david carradine but instead it stars lance hendrickson um oh lance hendrickson is he related to jimmy hendrickson i don't okay it's lance hendrickson yeah but it's Jimi Hendrix, so I don't know where you're going with your joke either. Listen, I'm pretty sure that at least one person, <clears throat> Rudy, is going to back up my joke this week because he liked my joke last week that you didn't like. So whatever. I'm okay with it. All right. So um, I had blind bought this movie because you had raved about it and uh, you were going to pick it. And Scream Factory was doing like an insane discount for its five-year anniversary. And this was put out on Blu-ray and DVD by Scream Factory. So I figured... All right, good enough time as any. Um, but see that. Wait, just let me pause you there. That was your first mistake because it's on Netflix for fucking free, dude. Yeah, but you know what? I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it like Adam hated it. I'm gonna watch this again. It might not be on Netflix forever. That's um, 
You know, so, it's not it's not a magic movie, but it's a good time. I I know exactly why you like this, by the way, because it's gooey. It reminds, <laughs> well, I it and it reminds me so much of ticks. Mm-hmm. It's literally ticks with bees. They're wasps. <laughs> wasps, whatever. <laughs> don't antagonize don't, bees, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it is so gross. Uh, like even from the opening scene, it's kind of gross. Um, oh yeah. But but like I don't know the opening scene I kind of dug I, I liked it reminded me a little bit of like the opening to uh to Men in Black when you're like flying the like the bug as it's flying through everything and then something bad happens to it. Um, you know what I thought the beginning of this was like? It felt like the beginning of this movie. And I didn't notice this the first time I watched it, but it, it, the beginning before the so there, there's like this bee that's flying around this like idyllic countryside. And then it gets killed by this killer wasp, whatever. Uh, but it, it felt like the beginning of an episode of Pushing Daisies. Yeah, no, I could see that. I could absolutely see that. Um, so we're introduced to Julia, who's played by Jessica Cook, and she is fucking gorgeous. Oh, my God. Okay, so so that is so funny that you say that because I have a note that's like, you know what? Everybody at the party is talking about how Julia is so hot. I don't think she's that attractive, and they should have found a girl that was, like, way more attractive for them to drool over. But, wow, there we go. I guess I'm just an idiot. Well, no, but the flip side of that, so she's, so I thought that she was kind of cute when I was watching the movie, right? So I go on IMDb to, like, find out more about her, and, like, I think that they maybe uglied her up just a little bit. I think that, well, okay, here... I don't think you're wrong. Um, I think they planed her up a bit because she's not a striking looking person. And I think that's because, uh, cause I will, I mean, I think later on in my notes, it doesn't even matter, but like, I, I, I do think that she's attractive. It's not like I wouldn't like see her on the sidewalk and be like, that's a cute girl. But I think that she, at best she's cute. I don't think that she's fucking hot you know like you do which is no and it's totally fine because that's personality like that, that's a personal preference but i looked at her instagram because i was like has this girl been in anything else actually i looked at a bunch of people on this to see if they'd been in anything else yeah she's and, been like an extra and stuff at the most before yeah, this she's, she hasn't done a whole lot but she's kind of like instagram famous and you know girls that are instagram famous are just instagram famous for being attractive and she's always posting pictures of like smoking weed like she lives in california it's legal there i don't give a shit she can do what she wants um but she just seems like a really 20 something girl like california girl and she always wears a box ton of makeup and at least in her instagram pictures and there's nothing wrong with that either it's just she's a very specific kind of like cali girl and i think that she's cute but not hot. But then when she when they put a shit ton of makeup on her, like yeah, she's attractive. But that said, when she gets bloodied up later on in this movie, I understand the appeal. I think for me, and I'm looking at the pictures on the IMDb page that I just sent you. Uh, a big element is her eyes. She's got these beautiful blue eyes, which goes a long way. Well, um, and she's got dark hair and blue eyes. Absolutely, that's my type. You know, I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna say no to that. <laughs> um, so okay, okay. That picture that you sent me, um, and for anybody listening, uh, she looks her like main IMDb photo. Basically, okay. look her up on IMDb. Yeah, yeah. I, I did see that picture when I went googling her because I went looking at her IMDb. Um, 
The thing about that is that she looks like a less plastic Megan Fox. And yes. um, actually, you know, I picked uh, Jennifer's Body, and I still love that movie, and I will defend it till the day I die. Um, I feel so bad for Megan Fox, though, because she was absolutely stunning before all the plastic surgery. Like, she was perfect. And Megan and I talk about this sometimes when Megan Fox comes up. But she just, I feel like she got eaten, like chewed up and spit out by Hollywood. And I don't know if Jessica Cook is like that. I'm not trying to say anything about her lifestyle or even about Megan Fox's lifestyle. I just feel so bad because if you look at pictures of Megan Fox pre-plastic surgery, she is like a knockout. And then she looks kind of plastic now. Yeah. Like, but that's fine. So, uh, so now that we've basically uh, ogled the, <laughs> the <laughs> but that's main... what everybody else in, at the party is doing anyway, so it's all right. Yeah. So we, so we're at this party, and all of a sudden they they don't waste any time. They get right to the B attack, which um, I appreciate. I really appreciate that about this movie, but it actually leads to a huge dragging feeling because this movie is only an hour and twenty minutes long, I believe. Um, but it feels like two hours because they, since they don't have a whole lot of exposition, we get screwed over by the pacing of the beginning. And then they're like, okay, well, where else can we go in this story? Yeah. And that's why I feel like my notes kind of are a few, like I've got a few random quotes and, and then just kind of random moments that I'm like, oh, that was cool. Like it, it does just like, there's not much in the department of plot line, like the, the wasps attack. And people die, and some people turn into wasps. <laughs> like, yeah, well, but but like that's a genius concept. It's worked in literally dozens of films, and it yeah. worked here. The, here's my um, uh, let me get this out of the way. My biggest problem with this film is the amount of CGI because in 2015, oh, yeah. like I don't really think that like um, CGI blood was that popular but it's like everywhere in this movie it and it does not look good some of it didn't bother me but holy shit like the end of this movie it's out of control like when there's like the giant wasp on the front of the truck and like things are on fire yeah. and it's just like it's just two human beings standing in in the middle of a video game at that point like it is yeah. It is so. It looks so bad. It's, but it's stay alive level bad CGI. Yeah, but then there's other points where, like, when they first just show the giant wasp on the side of the building, say, like, that looks dope. Like, that's what you use the CGI for. Um, but why did they use CGI for like three quarters of the blood spray? Which I, I mean, it's just. That's not a question you can answer. It's just oh, yeah, me no, kind C- of like smacking my forehead like why? CGI blood makes no sense to me. I understand so I understand the idea that like squibs are kind of more dangerous than there were. So if you want to use like CGI for kind of like the back of something being blown out so you're not like strapping explosives on the back of an actor's head, <laughs> I totally get it. But, <laughs> but don't you think that they could have spent but I, and I don't think that it's squib work. I honestly think that it, as I was watching the movie and I was getting more and more annoyed with the, the, the CGI blood, I think a lot of it is just like spray from below the screen. And that's and what I mean. That's they could have easily done that. They could have just put yeah. some of that. They could have had somebody laying on the ground with some, well, like two people laying head to head, you know, uh, with a mouthful of fake blood and straws and just go, 
Well, that's, you know? so like if you listen to my my short little interview with Heidi Cox that I put up as a bonus episode this week, like she talks about how they like reverse engineered a vacuum for like blood splatter on that movie. Like it was just like boom, like they just fired it out of the the vacuum, and there was your blood splatter against the wall. But isn't like, that that's what we love about the movies that we watch? You know, like all the stuff from the 80s, there was no such thing as CGI blood back in 1987 or whatever. And so people got creative. Like Sam Raimi, uh, you know, I know that we like to rag on him, but it's really because we fucking love his work. And it's because it's hard to really, like if you asked me to name three bad Sam Sam Raimi films, it'd be really fucking tough to do. You'd have to do research first. Yeah, but like even like for all of its faults, like even Spider-Man 3, I he is the last person on the list of people to blame for Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Like he did everything he could to make that the best Spider-Man movie possible and like the elements where it feels like a Sam Raimi movie are fantastic. It's the parts that feel like they were forced to be at it that the movie falls apart in. Yeah. Can we say, can I say one thing since we're talking about Sam Raimi and Spider-Man? Spider-Man 2 is still probably the most comic book comic book movie I've seen. I haven't seen Spider-Man: Homecoming yet, but yeah, no, I I think that that's I think that that's safe. Um, I would say a comic book in, in the good way because I I would argue that despite all of the complaints that people have about these movies, and I'm not saying that they're good movies, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin are very comic book feeling comic book movies. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I honestly <laughs> think like Batman Forever feels like a kid's comic book, whereas Spider-Man feels like a teen's comic book. It, it felt true to, like, the main ethos of Spider-Man, even though Peter Parker is, like, an adult in those movies and yeah. kind of... And- and I'll say, I, I also haven't seen Spider-Man Homecoming yet, but it definitely feels like up in... Up until Spider-Man Homecoming, which I hear is great, it was the best balance of Peter Parker and Spider-Man that we had. Because, like, my opinion was always that the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies really got Peter Parker down, but Spider-Man didn't quite feel like Spider-Man. Whereas, like, those... um, The Andrew Garfield... The Andrew Garfield ones, like, that wasn't Peter Parker whatsoever, but when he was in the suit and, like, wisecracking and stuff, it really felt like Spider-Man. I agree. Well, um, and the thing is, is that I don't even have a problem with the Sam Raimi Spider-Man. I really only have a problem with the Andrew Garfield Peter Parker, and that's not even his fault. Like, yeah. I, I liked the Amazing Spider-Man movies. I didn't hate them. I think that there's some issues, especially part two. Like, Paul Giamatti has no reason to be in Amazing oh, Spider-Man no, part yeah, two. <laughs> but, that was the Spider-Man curse, though, where they added too many villains. And, you know, but, but I feel bad for Andrew Garfield because he seems like he had a good time with the character you know and it's big big shoes to fill with with uh toby because uh, i mean it was a huge deal for spider-man to get made and there were three of them even before they started with any of the amazing spider-man stuff and like rebooting it and blah 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 but i don't know i i don't love spider-man as a character i don't really love the spider-man movies or franchises but i feel like the guys that played those characters kind of get a, a bad rap because, yeah, neither of them were 100% what the the character needed, but I feel like they both did a great job. They were good casting overall. and, and But I do think that Tom Holland, is, I mean, at least from what I saw in Avengers uh, or in uh, uh, 
Civil Captain War. America. Yeah, yeah, he was perfect. He's perfect. He, he's and and they got like he's the right age. He's the right build. He's got a great personality for the character. And we've just spent ten minutes talking about Spider Man when we're supposed to be talking about a different kind of bug, wasps. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have that many other notes. I, I have one uh, one thing that I wrote that I feel like you're going to understand what I mean, even though it could apply to a bunch of scenes. But I just wrote, "Holy shit, that transformation!" Um, uh, is it the one with the which one? Is it the 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 cougar? Where where like the uh, I, I can't remember any characters' names, but it's the uh, the character that um, Cliff Collins Jr. plays when all of a sudden the arm starts to, like burst out of his shoulder, and you realize that like, oh oh he got stung on his like his hump. Well, that was yeah. I was actually really clever writing in my opinion. I mean, and I I know that you don't come watching a movie like stung like a giant bug movie. You're not expecting cleverness. It's really supposed to beat you over the head with like comedy and action and and gooiness, but I thought that that was very clever that we had a little bit of exposition of him talking to Julia about how his parents kind of ignored him because he was malformed, you know, like, but then it makes sense. Like, he's like, oh, it was, oh, it was a, it was a twin that got absorbed. And so when he gets stung on his hump, it becomes just like the twin that, that never got to live. And so he gets to fight with the, the, the secondary conscious, the hive consciousness. I thought that was really fun. But I have to say about that scene when when um, uh, Kmart Lincoln from Agents of Shield. Uh, that's that's Paul's character. Um, I don't think you watch Agents of Shield, but the guy that plays Lincoln on Agents of Shield would have been such a better character, uh, a better casting for this because he's not likable. Paul's totally not. I mean, I guess that's the point, but he's like totally not likable in this film. He's kind of a douche all over, and he's like kind of a nice guy. He's like friend zone. He's like. Talking to to, to uh, Lance Henriksen, who is also the best shitty mayor ever, uh, he's just, he's so self centered. I love it, but he and everybody is absolutely worthless at fighting these wasps, which I also think is pretty funny. Except for Julia, who eventually redeems herself um, by like using a, a a hedge clipper, like an electric or a gas powered hedge clipper, to, to chop the um, I can't remember the the son's name. Um, but they, she chops him in half. But um, when when Paul is talking to the mayor when they're in the basement drinking, he's like, you know, I thought that she'd be uh, – she'd appreciate that I was here, you know, helping out. I'm like, dude, where do you get off? You're, you're, you're mad because you're friend zone because she doesn't think you're cute just because you have a crush on her? Like, get over it. I'm surprised he didn't have a neck beard and just had shaved his face. Uh <laughs> He, yeah, he sucked. He like I was actually disappointed that he was like banging her at the end of this movie, um, which is actually where my suspension of disbelief broke. And it wasn't the flying cow wasps, which I think was hilarious. But um, the the uh, the the uh, transformation that I thought you were talking about at first was when the cougar who was hitting on Paul. Um, she the the bug comes out of her her throat basically and then has her skull like on its on its claw. I thought that was pretty fun. Um, the CGI is also so bad in comparison to how goddamn awesome their puppetry work is in this movie. There's so much awesome puppet work. And I don't and it looks like they had multiple puppets and they're animatronic as well as probably you know uh, manipulated by people. Like, I think that they had like the multiple. 
uh, articulation system in place where people were moving the large pieces and then they had uh, mechanics to, to move the smaller stuff, the radio power mechanics. And that's, that is exactly why I picked this movie is because I feel like if you strip away the shitty CGI and the kind of lack of a, a good plot, um, but the thing is the plot doesn't even matter in movies like this. So the plot is inconsequential in this as well. But if you strip away the bad CGI, I think that this is a great homage to 80s bug movies. And there were a ton of them. And yes, I mean, Tix is in 93 or whatever, but, um, I, I, this movie is a ton of fun. I feel like it would be better watching it in a group of people. I've watched it twice by myself, but you know, I always watch shit by myself. But, um, the, the, uh, the part that you were talking about where, uh, I can't remember the son's name. Um, he's like trying to feed Paul the, the grub so that he can become a, the, the male wasp to, to impregnate the, his mom. Oh my God. That part is hilarious. And so, so uncomfortable. He's like, you're going to be my new daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This movie is fucking ridiculous. Um, I don't oh, oh. watch it again. Oh, I, I, okay. I just looked down at my nose for the first time. Um, the shoulder wasp, it's an homage to basket case. That's why you love it. Pretty much, yep. That that checks out. Story checks out there. Uh, stay tuned for more basket case talk. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I uh, <laughs> I I definitely like feel like this is a movie that I'm going to make more people watch. It's it's one of those things that I'm definitely going to subject people to in the future, and uh, I'm okay with that. I I feel like there's nothing wrong with that. It's not it's not like making people watch. I don't know what kind of shit do you make. Like it's not like making watch people watch Freaked. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! I like hey. Freaked, but I feel like it's got a higher bar to entry than Stung. I, I think okay. So what you're saying is that Stung can be like the uh, the entry gate that builds eventually to Freaked. You can't start people off on Freaked. Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah, Freaked is like medi- intermediate level. And Stung is definitely an entry-level horror movie. It's gross, but it's like... I really think that the grossest part is when that, like, gigantic grub is being pushed in Paul's face because of the implications. Uh, But yeah, I I mean, there's a couple good quotes in there. Uh, I'm a gynecologist, for Christ's sake. Do you want to make out was another one that made me laugh out loud uh, when the two were stuck in the car. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's definitely a good, fun movie. Um... But not something that I think I would watch repeatedly, but definitely would enjoy watching once in a while with with some random friends. Yeah, and I think I could get <clears throat> one more watch out of this, and then take five years off. You know, it's I, I feel like if I if they if you were to make a compilation of like the intros, like or not the intro scene, but the uh, the garden party scene where people are getting fucking killed and turned into bugs. And and then maybe the part with the um, with the giant, uh, like the 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 baby, the baby slug or whatever it is that that he wants him to eat. If you just did that into like a twenty minute thing, I could watch that yearly because those are awesome. But the pacing is just kind of excruciating. Otherwise, yeah, I, I think that that's fair. Um, so unless you have anything else to talk about, no, I'm good. I have something I want to tell you about. I mean, like I have a, I have a, what have you watched for you though? 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Set a course. Set, set, set a course. Set, set, set a course for the unstoppable Jack and Jen podcast in the impossible. Star Trek Voyager being the material. Wine is the vehicle just like milk for your cereal. Here we go, blast into the Delta Quadrant. Uncharted territory, but we're on it. Support me another glass of Cabernet. Cause it pairs with the galaxy. Never in my life was a crew so brave. Never was a time that I liked rosé. But you learn something new each and every day. To explore new things is a Starfleet way. Podcast hailing from the Geekscape Nation. Talking Star Trek with the wine persuasion. So you want to live long and prosper fine? Then you better tune in to Seven, Seven of Wine. And this is Seven of Wine, where we review an episode of Star Trek Voyager and a bottle of wine at the same time. All right, then. Do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Do you, you think you got a good ender? Maybe. I don't. I mean, who knows? Without Adam here to, to rip apart all of our conversation pieces, then I have no idea. That's true. All right, so what I have to talk about uh, is two things. Someone had actually mentioned this in the uh, Facebook chat and it remind or Facebook uh, page. And it reminded me that I'd never brought it up, but uh, the movie, the unholy, I got that through scream factory a while ago as a review copy. Um, or no, not scream factory. This one was from Vestron video, but it's nothing that we would ever discuss on the podcast. Uh, it's a little, as as crazy as it is, and like the last like ten minutes has one of the most terrible rub it rub it rubber monster. <laughs> Wait, rubber is, the, monster. is is the is the unholy the one where it's like a, an ugly hot demon or something like that? Yeah, I, I don't know exactly know how to explain it otherwise. You know? Yeah, I'm trying to find a uh, an image that I can hold on to for whenever this episode comes out. But it looks like a weird, like, ghoulie, but it's got boobs. <laughs> yep, yep, that's the one. I haven't seen the whole thing, but I have seen that last scene that you're talking about. Yeah, the movie itself is really cool and, like, really well-paced, and it's a good, like, creepy, uh, like, satanic, demonic-type horror film. Um, and then the rubber monster thing pops up, and it's a little... Oh, oh no i'm sorry this movie is on my eight pack i've seen this movie it's oh, got yeah. the priest and yeah dude this movie is ridiculous yeah i'd never pick it for the podcast just because adam would be pretty inconsolable um but well, it's it's a little it's a little long it, like it, it's very it is dry. it drags yeah. it really drags but when it works it works fucking beautifully but it mostly drags um, yeah but yeah, no, the the uh, the unholy is a really fun movie. I definitely recommend it. If you can sit through a few of the points when it drags, you get super rewarded for sticking through it. Um, and I want to give a shout out to a podcast that I found out about when I was in San Diego Comic Con. Uh, I threw it up on the Facebook page earlier this week, but uh, Fright School 
is so much fun. It's so charming. It, like that's the only word I can come up with. It's a charming podcast. Uh, I'm not sure if you had a chance to listen to it yet, Scott, but it's uh, two dudes in San Diego. Um, not that it matters that much, but I think it's part of the charm is that they're they're both gay, which gives a very interesting perspective to things. They get very insightful in the beginning of the episodes, uh, referencing some of the horror stuff that they watched recently. So it's a lot of like what happened in American Horror Story, or they'll talk a little bit about RuPaul's Drag Race and stuff like that. So it's uh, that that I think adds a cool element to it. But basically, the one dude's a huge horror movie buff. The other guy's never watched horror movies before, so. They sit down, and the friend who loves horror movies bought a college textbook on horror movies, like that you would teach a class of on horror with, and built a curriculum to teach his friend about horror films. So, like, episode one is about Dracula. Episode two is about Psycho, and you know, Night of the Living Dead. And then eventually they get there. Like right now, I'm at Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like they just go in chronological order of the films that were released, and they use it as jumping off points. So like use Dracula to talk about the history of vampires, and use you know the thing from another world to talk about alien movies and stuff like that. So it's really kind of cool. It's insightful. It's also fun just hearing like one person who loves this stuff, and then like someone who really has never watched it and has been sheltered from it, and there are different opinions. Um, just it's a really cool sh- it's a really cool podcast. So I can't. Uh, it's it's on enough. my it's on my list of things to do. Yeah, and I mean it's only like seventeen episodes. They literally do sixteen weeks of class. I I haven't listened to the final yet, but there's the final girls episode, um, and then they'll be back for another class very soon. Uh, there is a chance that they might have a uh, guest substitute teacher possibly discussing i don't know sleepaway camp and (laughs) (laughs) so so keep listening for that uh but yeah that's the two things that i really actually know what i'll throw one more thing in here because i don't feel like talking about this when uh adam's on the podcast (laughs) he's gonna listen to this and be so ejected he's gonna be like guys well no i there's a bunch of stuff that's on netflix that most of us have watched and that we can discuss and I want to save him for one of those two discussions but this one is I sat down and I watched The Keepers and like amazingly well made docu-series that just leaves you feeling so distraught and broken by the end of it Um, yeah Megan watched that shit and uh, she was like screaming at the uh, at the TV slash computer whenever she was watching it. And I, she was like, you need to watch this. I was like, honey, I was Catholic for like most of my, I was Catholic for 19 years. I don't need, I already know all this. Yeah. Well, it's funny because my mom had watched it before I did. Like she just watched it on a whim because she was told to check it out and she was raised Catholic. And then I was watching it and she came in during one of the episodes, like I was watching in the living room and she just started like, as soon as like one person showed up on camera, she's like, Oh, that liar. They're such a liar. Like she gets like so fired up and angry about these people. And it it was, it was awesome seeing how like my mom was as equally enraged by the film as I was. So, uh, or the documentary as I was. So I definitely think that it's worth watching. Um, this isn't a spoiler, but it's something that you should have fair warning on because it caused a bit of a debate at work where my one coworker was complaining that he hated it because there was no like 
big revelation like with making a murder and a lot of those other yeah. uh, docu series and I said yeah but that's the reality like to me yeah. I think it's it's more interesting and and kind of sadder because the reality is that these people are probably going to get away with it and they're always going to be able to get away with it and that's what's important about it is is making us aware that it's happening um Anyway, sorry, that's my long rant. I ended on too serious of a note, so so pick us up, Scotty boy. All right, well, so, um, and, and you can cut this if necessary. Did I talk about Castlevania yet? No. Is Castlevania good? Okay, so um, I watched it, and it's four fucking episodes. Like, it's, it's, such, a, it's such a tease. Like, there's no point. Um, it's great. I really... It took me a minute to get into it. Um, it basically feels like four episodes of Metalocalypse, but without the jokes. Like, you ever watch Metal or uh, yeah, Metalocalypse with like Death Clock? So I've never watched Metalocalypse, but our booth was right next to the head animator of Metalocalypse, so I got to talk to him for an entire week at San Diego. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, um, I'm familiar with it though. I know uh, I know who well, they are and all that. Yeah, yeah you, you just need to know like the concept, and there. So it's it's them in the studio interspersed with when they play out at shows. It's like fucking mayhem, and people die, and there's just like gratuitous violence, like comically gratuitous violence. That's exactly what Castlevania is without the jokes. Uh, Castlevania is Dracula's wife is burnt at the stake as a witch by this kind of corrupt priest, and then Dracula is like fuck it, you're all going to die. And he unleashes this interdimensional portal from hell. And children are dying. Babies are getting dismembered. People's eyes are getting gouged out. People are screaming everywhere. There are rivers, literally rivers of blood in this town. It's incredible. Uh, I mean, it's animated, but it's still still damn cool. Um, I don't love the fact that everybody's face looks like an anime character, which felt like it was kind of a hey, let's co-opt the obsession with anime uh, and kind of like bring that into Castlevania because Castlevania, I mean, I guess later Castlevanias, like um, the like the DS, uh, the Nintendo DS ones and stuff like that, have a much stronger like anime and um, uh, uh, Jap animation kind of like, is that a Japanese animation, Japan animation? Is that a thing? Anyway, yeah. Um, uh, they have much a stronger slant than the original stuff, which was a lot more classic in my opinion. And I, I never played those games. I only played the ones on Nintendo and Super Nintendo. So they, it, it I guess in like the grand scheme, it feels right. But for me, it's, it, it's not something I liked, but it's not enough of a detractor for me to be like, don't watch Castlevania, but it's only four episodes and every episode is 20 minutes long. And it felt like a, a third of a season. Like they didn't even do anything. It's just like they got to basically what would be the end of like the second episode of a real TV show. And I was like, okay, well, where's the rest of it? I, I actually fell asleep at the end of the fourth episode three nights in a row. And I was like, whoa, whoa, how many episodes did I miss? Fucking none, apparently, because I kept going back and like, okay, I missed, okay, five minutes of the last episode because there are only four episodes. But I really like it. I'm looking forward to seeing more. But I really wish that they would have put out an entire season of it, or at least had some sort of conclusion, because it made no sense for them to put out four episodes. It felt like very unfinished. It felt rushed. Yeah. Four, I mean, four episodes of 22 minutes, you might as well just put out a Castlevania movie. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but the thing is, is that there wasn't even enough time for them to, or there wasn't even enough character development 
for them to to have there be like a good stopping point at four episodes of 20 minutes. It's just weird. In any case, it was fun. I enjoyed watching it. I'll probably rewatch it when they put out the next section. No biggie. Uh, also on um, on Netflix and somewhat controversial, apparently, is XX, the uh, all-female anthology horror that came out, I want to say, in January or February. Yeah, how, so I feel like there was discussion on our Facebook page about how it was complete garbage. Right. All those people are idiots. <laughs> uh, well, no, they're not idiots. Um, I think that the expectations were way too high for that film. Um, anthologies, as a rule, are weak. The only one, in my opinion, really, that's ever done it the way I want to see it is Trick or Treat. That's, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't think of another anthology that fits the point of having all those movies happen in a town on the same night, have a good wraparound story. It's smart. It's funny. It's brutal. It's clever. You know, like it's it's dark, but also there are kids kind of like doing the Goonies slash uh, Monster Squad type shit in, in Trick or Treat. XX has big shoes to fill because I feel like people were expecting it to be as good as Trick or Treat. It was never going to be that good. I think that individually, there were some really strong pieces. The box is actually one of the most unsettling shorts I think I may have ever seen. Um, And I don't talk about this a lot, but I've struggled with my weight and eating enough and, and my like, you know, like mental anxiety, things like that, uh, for my entire life. And I'll be that way forever. Like I, uh, you know, I, I take medication for it and it's helpful, but watching the box was the most tense short. Um, you'll have to watch it to understand. Um, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. It, I don't, it, it's kind of hard to actually spoil it because I think that people's main criticism of it is that it's, not that not enough happens in it, but actually that's what's so unsettling about it. It's just so dark and so helpless and hopeless. Um, I can see why a woman would write it as like, I don't know if the woman who wrote it and directed it is a mother. I don't know if she has gone through any sort of anxiety about food uh, or eating disorder or anything like that. Um, but it's really dark. I can understand why people didn't like some of the other shorts, but I understood the point of all of them, and I thought that they were all very strong. Um, Together, I think that the film is less... It's weaker together than they are individually, and I think that that's the big problem. But I would put it on par with VHS 2, which I like better than VHS 1. So there's that. I think that's the common consensus with VHS 2, is that of that franchise, it's definitely the best one that they made. Um, Well, and and, and the big problem with, well, I think that my biggest problem with VHS 2 is that it's so much better than VHS 1 strictly because of the cult uh, story. It's just that's the best thing that they've done. It's one of the best shorts since Trick or Treat. So... I don't know. It's kind of hard to say, like, okay, VHS 1 overall was a better film when VHS 2 has such a powerful, such a well-done short within it. 
Yeah, I would, um, as far as, like, anthology films, while I agree that Trick or Treat's probably, like, the last one that really fucking knocked it out of the park and showed what you could do with a good anthology, uh, I still, and I've said this time and time again, and I will stress it over and over again, that Tales from the Hood, despite its absurd name and cover, is the best anthology film that has ever been made. And I'm including... Trick or Treat in there. I'm including uh, Creep Show One in there. It is so smart. It's got such a good wraparound story. It's got genuinely scary stories, which is super fucking hard to pull off. Um, and it actually has a message. Like it has a moralistic message hidden inside of it. Like the only way I can describe it is like think the movie Get Out, but think four or five miniature versions of Get Out mixed into one horror film where it's just like, here's the Get Out version of uh, a zombie movie. Here's the Get Up get out version of like a killer doll movie here's the get out version of like a monster in the closet story and they just build all of these like they take all these different horror tropes and they put a very like culturally aware social minded twist on it and it makes it all the more horrific um but also fun like it it's that's the craziest part is when you're able to do something that's like smart and socially aware but also really really fun to watch like i love watching tales from the hood it's not like oh man this is a struggle i got to sit through this cuz it's so depressing like i have a good time i laugh the kills are rewarding but i also acknowledge like man this movie's saying some shit <laughs> like yeah, and you know I love me some socially conscious horror. I, I, I've been putting off Tales from the Hood for so long because, it, well, I mean, it's not readily available. It hasn't come up on Netflix or Shudder for me to watch, so it's been not it's been low on my priority list. Um, but I, I, based on that, I will absolutely watch it. I'll try and watch it before our next episode so that I can give you my thoughts. <laughs> All right, sounds good. But yeah, like uh, when when Scream Factory announced that they had put it out on Blu-ray, that was like that was some of the biggest news in a while because that was one that like you said just not readily available. The the DVD was like uh if you again if you listen to the bonus episode we brought this up when I was talking to Ben from Sci-Fi, but like the the previously owned DVDs were going for like Forty fifty dollars, like it was. Damn. It was like the hot ticket. Everyone wanted to see this movie, and you just couldn't own it. Um, so, uh, I think that's it. I think that's all we have to say. Uh, we'll be back next week with Adam. Uh, but this was Stung uh, from 2015. We didn't want to want to leave you guys hanging with like another retroactive episode or stuff like that. Uh, so we, I mean, I guess we're we're always good at showing the wizard behind the curtain. Basically, when I went to California, we kind of. Uh, fell really behind on on being able to back catalog the shows and we're trying to get ourselves back into the forefront so give us a little bit of time we've got probably we're probably going to have like one of the more grueling recording schedules over the next like two or three weeks but ideally it'll be so we can get a good uh head start into the end of this year for a big you know award-winning gold medal finish in December. (laughs) A golden shower medal finish. Yes, because because we're getting a new version of uh, Rawhead Rex on Blu-ray. Yeah!
So uh, don't forget that you can always check us out at hmnpodcast.com, built by Stephen Bay, one of the most incredible people that we have ever been blessed to have listened to our podcast. Uh, I will continue to blow Stephen any chance I get because that dude does so many good things for us. Um, We love. It really uh, helps that he's attractive, too. Crazy attractive, um, and we uh, we love all of the fans out there. So as much as you should be checking out hmmpodcast.com, even more so, you should be going on Facebook and searching Horror Movie Night Podcast uh, and finding the Facebook page where there's lots of good chatter. Um, you will notice, if you haven't joined the group yet, that when you go to join the group, there will be a question asking how you found us. Just answer the question. It doesn't have to be a long, elaborate thing. It's just a way to help us keep people out who are just kind of rolling in to, like, sell sunglasses and random-ass shit. Uh, so, you know, we yeah, should... Yeah, like, like, you're kind of suspect if, you ha- if you're a member of 3,500 groups on Facebook and uh, you don't speak English. So and, we're, and we're you, kind of wary of you guys. Yeah, and you signed, you joined Facebook three hours ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really for the benefit of everybody that's, not not just us, because it's minimal effort, effort for us to ban assholes, but for the people that come on the page and put their time into reading what we have to say, listening to our podcast, talking about horror, things that they're watching, their thoughts on horror in general, like, it's going to get lost in the the din if we don't keep ourselves clean, you know, keep our page clean. So it's really, it's not for us as much as it's for the people, the listeners, and and and. We just want everybody to be able to have a good time and not be like, well, there's more bullshit coming up on the HMN Facebook page. I don't want to follow that anymore. Yeah. And uh, one last thing uh, while we're talking about that is uh, I think that we've never actually addressed it on the podcast. So I want to address it now. Um, If you're curious about posting your stuff on the Facebook wall, uh, I stick by this simple, simple rule. Anybody who's actively participating in conversations is free to post. You know what I mean? Like I, I yeah. think that people get afraid to post and then other people just kind of post whenever. Uh, there's a guy, Tony, who is super active in that Facebook page all the time. He posted a short story. You should absolutely read it. Um, and and that's cool. Like that's great. And I want to see I want to see people's writing. I want to see stuff like that. But I don't want you to just turn our Facebook wall into a spot to share your shit without actually commenting and joining in in the other discussions because that's not fair to anybody. Um, but we've been preaching for a while. Uh, we will be back <laughs> next week with another movie, yet another film that has a crazy ass transformation scene in it. So <laughs> almost like we planned it. Almost like we did, although I do have a note that, like, we've had a ton of movies with crazy-ass transformation scenes, like, back-to-back-to-back-to-back. Um, and a, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I almost didn't have to do any editing on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least it's at the end. All right. This is your captain signing off. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, I'm gonna finish the sentence you were gonna say. Fuck it, no. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 